Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching from our lead pastor, Adam Scott. Hey, good morning, Northridge. I want everybody to take their right hand and put it up in the air like this, okay? And I want you to reach back and pat yourself on the back because you made it to church on the most (laughs) difficult day of the year to get to church. And we are celebrating you and your presence for that. I want you to know, you can clap for that, but you're gonna clap for this in a second too, okay? The other reason that we're celebrating you, think you deserve a pat on the back, is you just saw a video talking about all the ways that you can give. Your generosity blows me away. Okay, you guys have done an incredible job. We had a staff meeting this week and we were talking about our our budgeting process for the upcoming fiscal year. It's everybody's favorite meeting of the entire year. We just, we love coming around and talking about this stuff. But we looked at it and, and we basically said, look, over the past two years, let's talk about each and everything that should have devastated us financially. Let's look at every single thing that should have impacted us and caused you know, us to kind of run out of steam and all the things that God had called us to do. But through your generosity, God has been faithful. Not only are we sustaining ministry in this season, but God is building momentum and we are reaching even more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So you can definitely clap for that. Man, our mission as a church is to help people take their next step closer to Christ. We want people across the world to be taking steps closer to Jesus because of what we're doing here. We want people down the hall to be taking steps closer to Jesus because of what's happening right here. I wanna tell you about something that's happening down the hall that's helping people take their next step. How many of you have an elementary age student, anybody? Okay, I've got two of them, okay? They're both over there right now. If you've got an elementary age student, they are learning the importance of sharing the love of Jesus by inviting somebody to church. All month long, that's what they're talking about. Okay, last service, we actually had a kid that invited their teacher to come to church and they sat together right over here. How cool is that? So, but, but I want you to understand it because as parents, that's gonna involve you, okay? There's a good chance, probably not if it's an adult and they invite their teacher, but if it's a kid, you may have to go pick them up and be inconvenienced a little bit on a Sunday. Uh, you may have to sit with their parents in church if they do bring them, okay? And they may be just as socially awkward as you are, so that could be a difficult thing. Or you may feel led by the Holy Spirit to invite them out to lunch so that you can get to know their story and answer some questions about the church, you know, because they showed up expecting us to have snakes up here on stage and stuff. And you may have to set the record straight and help them understand uh, what this is all about. Let me tell you why this is so important to me, okay? When I was a kid, I invited my friend to church. Never gone to church. I invited him to come to church with me. And, and my mom was generous enough to be inconvenienced a little bit every single week to pick this kid up and take him to church with me. And because of that, not only did my friend come to know Jesus, but so did his mom years later. Not only did he live out his faith as a teenager, but now he is raising a family that loves Jesus. Not only did my faith impact his life, But man, in the years to come, his faith had an incredible impact on my faith as well. I tell you that to say this, we serve a God who just might multiply a single act of generosity to transform the entire world. And that's what we're praying for on that hallway. That's what we're praying for right here too. 
You see, that's a perfect segue into the series that we're kicking off today, where we're going to be talking all about generosity, the power of generosity, and and using what we have to impact others, of of living with this open-handed mindset. Now listen, I can't wait to tell you which person in this room exhibited such terrible behavior and greed that God specifically told me we had to do an entire series on this, okay? Hal, stand up real fast. No, I'm just kidding. It's not Hal, okay? (laughs) He was willing to do it too. Hal, I appreciate your commitment to me in this church. No, it was me. It was me. See, let me tell you the story about what happened. See, I, I, read, I read this story uh, about a plumber who was called in to fix a toilet at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. Okay, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this church. This is a big church, okay? This is Joel Osteen's church. And the plumber came in, he started working on the toilet, and like it usually goes, it's a bigger problem than they thought, so they start taking tiles off the wall, and when he gets some of the tiles off, he reaches under there and he notices there's, there's almost 3,000 envelopes buried in the wall, and there is nearly $600,000 worth of cash and checks in those envelopes. Isn't that amazing? See, it turns out in, in 2014, the church was robbed and they never found the money apparently because it had been sitting in the wall of the bathroom for all of these years. Now, let me tell you what my reaction was to this story, okay? I'll give you a hint. It wasn't, thank goodness the money was recovered so that it could be used to further the ministry of the church. That's not what I thought. I didn't think, thank goodness an honest person found it instead of somebody who would just kind of stuff it in their jacket and, and take off with it and go spend it on things that they wanted. I didn't think, praise God, that the generosity of God's people would no longer be wasted and confined to the bathroom of the church. I didn't think any of these things. You want to know what I thought? I thought I spent a lot of time in church bathrooms over the years, and I have never found $600,000. I thought, how come my leaking toilet costs me money, but Joel Osteen's produces $600,000? It's not fair. I thought, do you know what we could do with a $600,000 offering at church? The greed, selfishness, and envy. Those were the things I felt. And I'm telling you that to say this, we're gonna be talking about generosity all month long, but I want you to understand something. At no point in this series am I pointing at you. In everything we talk about throughout this series, I am raising my hand. Anybody else feel like they want to admit that they have moments of greed, envy, and selfishness that consumes them in that way? All right, listen, we don't have to be taught to be selfish, do we? See, as kids, our, our favorite word is gimme and mine, right? Like they, they don't want the toy unless their friend has it, and then they want it for themselves. That's greedy, okay? That's how kids are. But then those greedy kids, they grow up to be envious teenagers whose life is ruined because they see all the gadgets and all the freedoms that their friends have and they're upset that their parents won't give it to them, okay? Those envious teenagers, they grow up to be greedy adults who who manage Major League Baseball, okay? And, And hold off an entire sport for this long period of time, am I right? Like this is terrible, but it's just a cycle. We, we want and we want and we want and we take and we take and we take. And if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, if we're not strategic, then we'll find ourselves in this vicious cycle that is rapidly consuming our world and leading us down a path of greed and selfishness. Let me show you what Proverbs eleven twenty five says. It says, a generous person will prosper, but whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. 
This word prosper right here, it literally means to, to be made fat, to have more than we need. It's, it's a blessing that fills and enriches our lives. You see, too many times in, in life, we act like the secret to life is, is to take and to accumulate and to hoard things. But what this verse says right here is that the secret to life, the secret to satisfaction is to live generously, to think of others first and to eliminate greed from our hearts. Here's our sermon in a sentence. This is what I want you to remember from our time together today. But I also want you to realize this is the series in a sentence. This is everything we're gonna be talking about for the entire month. The elimination of greed in our hearts is an invitation for God to move in our lives. When we see greed in ourselves, when we recognize it and we get rid of it, it's an invitation to say, God, I want you to show up and I want you to do something powerful in and through me. As we're gonna unpack that from a story in Joshua chapter six through eight. And this is a story where greed results in incredible tragedy. And as we look at this story, I hope we can find the motivation to say, I'm gonna address the greed in my life so that I can overcome it, so that I can see God move in a more powerful way. Story starts off in a place called Jericho. You probably know this part of the story if you grew up in vacation Bible school or anything like that. So God sends Joshua and Israelites on this conquest through Canaan and he, he stops them first at Jericho and Jericho has these giant walls. Like it's a well-fortified city, tough place to take over. And God says, what I want you to do is I want you to march around that city once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times, blow the trumpets, blow the horns, scream and shout, and the walls will come tumbling down and you will walk in and capture the city. But here's the part of the story you may not know. You see, God's presence and the victory that they were gonna experience came with a commitment from the Israelites. You see, after the victory, God told them, I want you to devote the city to me. I want you to give it to me. Among other things, he said, I want you to take all of the gold and all the silver and all of the iron and all of the bronze, and I want you to look at those things. Don't take them for yourselves, but give them back to me as a, as a first fruit offering towards me and what I want to do. You see, this wasn't a requirement for every battle, but it was a special condition for this first battle. But unfortunately, this is where things start to go off the rails. This is where greed enters the story. Look at what it says in Joshua chapter seven, verse one. This is right after the victory happens. Here, I'll read it right here. Joshua seven, one, it says, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took some of them so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. You see, one man, his name was Achan, one man surrendered to greed. He took things that didn't belong to him. He took things that should have been devoted to God and he kept them for himself and it impacted the entire community. See, what happened next was God led them to the region of Ai. And, and when they get to this region, they scout it out and they say, you know what, compared to Jericho, this is gonna be a cakewalk. This is gonna be a piece of cake. We, can take, we don't even have to send the entire army in. This is gonna be so easy. Let's just send a fraction of the army, take over this place and move on. But they go to battle and God's presence isn't with them. And because God's presence isn't with them, they lose and they lose bad. The people begin to panic says the elders began to sprinkle ashes on their head and Joshua tears his clothes. He falls on his face before God. And this is what he says in Joshua chapter seven, verse nine. 
He says, the Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they'll surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? He says, look, this is a huge deal. This isn't a small thing. He says, without God's presence, without God's protection, they're gonna destroy us and they're gonna separate us from all the things that God has called us to do. Here's the first thing we're gonna take away from this story together. Greed detaches us from our destiny. Greed detaches us from our destiny. Greed separates us from our aspirations. Greed forfeits our mission. And greed cripples our impact. Greed always costs more than we want to pay. Get this, it doesn't make God love us any less, but it has an impact on how he's able to use us. That's why 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10 says this. Those who wanna get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Listen, greed produces ruin and destruction. You understand this, right? And we can look around in the world around us and we recognize that as a community, when greed enters the equation, it it results in all kinds of crime and violence. When greed enters the equation, it does damage to careers and, and to businesses and to relationships and to families. As a church, when greed enters the equation, it it causes us to sacrifice our mission of moving people closer to Jesus. It eliminates our effectiveness in doing that in this community. As individuals, when greed comes on the scene, it robs us of sleep and it fills us with this insatiable desire for more. It, It takes away our peace and it separates us from the things that God wants to do in and through us. See, greed is like a flamethrower in the hand of a toddler. All it does is create destruction everywhere that it goes. Pastor and author Levi Lusco, this is what he says. He says, there's things that God intends for you to accomplish that no one else has been chosen for. Words he wants you to speak, actions that speak louder than words, and through it all, he wants you to leave a mark to put a dent in the universe. See, what he says is God has a specific plan for you as an individual, things that he wants to accomplish through you. Your life has purpose. If you don't want to hear it from him, let me tell you what Loki says in the Avengers. You are burdened with glorious purpose. Every single one of us, we are burdened with glorious purpose. But get this, according to Joshua's story, our lust for more is the single greatest hurdle to success. You and I have to make a choice every single day. Are we gonna choose God's plan, God's purposes, God's promises, or do we wanna choose the things that the world has to offer instead? So I saw this video on TikTok this week. I wanted to show it, but it doesn't translate real well up here on this screen, but it's a a video of, of this challenge where you put your dog on the screen and then you got the two owners on the screen too, and the owners run in two different directions and they try and decide who the dog loves the most by which one it chases, okay? Have you ever seen a video like that? Okay, my dog would chase anybody but me in the house. I don't understand it, I feed, whatever. This isn't therapy. 
but I saw this video and the dog was in the middle and you got this man and this woman and they both take off running in different directions and the dog jumps up and he looks over this way and, and then he looks over this way and, and then he just starts spinning around in a circle and for, cer- th- for about 60 seconds, he just spins around in a circle and the, the caption underneath says, I think we broke our dog. I thought that was pretty good. But I think sometimes that describes us in this area of life too. You see, we see God's plan and God's purposes and all the things that God wants to do for us. And we look over here, but, but at the same time, we can't help but look over here. And there's all these things that the world says we need and we've got to have and all these things that we want to accumulate and, and bring into our life. But, but then there's God over here and I want to go over, but I want to go over there. And we just start spinning around in circles over and over and over and over again. And what this story tells us is there comes a point where you and I, we've got to make a decision. We can't stay broken in the middle. We've got to declare, I want God's plan and his purposes, and I'm going to follow him at the expense of everything else this world has to offer. It's not easy to do, but it's a decision that we've got to make. Let's go back to the story. Joshua is crying out about this. He's on his knees, he's, he's before God, and he's, he's broken by the weight and the misery caused by greed in the community. This is what he says in Joshua chapter seven, verses 10 through 12. I'm sorry, this is what God says to Joshua. He says, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, they have lied, they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. I like this part of the story. This is one of my favorite commands that God gives in the Bible because I'm a doer, okay? If you were to tell me that you need to sit down until you feel something, I'm gonna struggle with that. You give me a to-do list, I'm on it, and I'll get it done by tonight, okay? And essentially what God says to Joshua is stop just feeling stuff and go do something about it. He says don't grovel on the ground, but address the problem. What God says is, is that there's somebody who's standing between you and my plan for your life. You've gotta do the hard work of identifying who it is and what they've done and getting rid of it so that I can move in and through you again. Joshua stands up from this place and he addresses the problem and God's presence is back with them again. Here's the second thing I want you to take from the story. Greed compels a response. Greed compels a response. I go a little farther. Greed compels an active response. It's not okay just to feel it we got to identify it. we got to call it out and we got to remove it from our lives. Colossians 3, 5, it says it this way. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He says, put it to death. Kill it. Destroy it. Find the things that are separating us from God's plan and go medieval on it. Make it an offer it can't refuse. Take it behind the woodshed. Do whatever you have to do so that you can choose to follow God and his plan for your life. Let me tell you what we sometimes do instead. Sometimes we, we choose to respond like Joshua did and to just be overwhelmed and immobilized by the weight of our own greed and selfishness and what it has cost us. See, we don't do that with ashes on our head or by tearing our clothes 
Let me tell you some of the ways we do this in our world. We, we cover up our shame with numbing agents like social media and alcohol. Sometimes we confine the problem to a Sunday morning feeling because we know that it's gonna be buried underneath the weight of the work week as soon as we go back to work on Monday. Sometimes we choose just to go with the flow and wonder how we ended up downstream. But here's what Joshua's story teaches. It teaches that strategic, intentional action is the only way out of the consequences of greed in our lives. Strategic, intentional action is the way out of the consequences of what greed does to our life. How do we do that? Well, I was, I was working in my yard the other day. Um, I don't know if anybody else gets excited about grass growing season or if that's just me, okay? I don't know what happened. I hit like 30 and it, it happened like this. And, um, and now I'm excited about grass growing season. So I was out there getting started early because I just couldn't wait anymore. And I'm excited it's gonna turn green. My neighbors are gonna look at me and think I'm great. And, and so I got out there and I put two things on my grass. I, I put fertilizer and I put pre-emergent. And the reason I put those two things out on the grass is because one makes the right things grow and one keeps the bad things out. Listen, that strategy that we can use in our yard is the same strategy we can use with our hearts in this area of greed as well. The way to address the problem is simply to starve greed and feed generosity. How do we starve greed? Let me give you some examples. You may have to write your own into this as well. Sometimes we can just say, I'm gonna stop giving into every impulse for instant gratification. I'm gonna starve greed by putting up barriers that prevent impulse shopping and eating, by distracting myself with social media or Netflix or seeking sexual fulfillment in inappropriate places. If you can't say amen, say ouch, okay? <laughs> One of the ways we can starve greed is by saying, I'm gonna just stop seeking gain at the expense of others. I'm gonna think of others before I think of myself. How do we starve greed? We, we simply say, when envy enters my mind, I'm gonna choke it out by replacing it with, with compliments or with prayer. How do we feed generosity? Well, we start or end our day by listing things that we're grateful for. We develop the habit of thanking and praying for those that have helped us. We volunteer our time or our expertise to help somebody in need. We use our money to bless others. The bottom line is this, what we feed will grow and what we don't will die. So we've got to choose to starve greed and feed generosity. Let's go back into the story. Joshua chapter eight, verses one through two. One more thing I want to pull out of this text that's going to revolutionize the way we think about this. It says, then the Lord said to Joshua, okay, he's eliminated this problem. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack I, for I have delivered into your hands the king of I, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to I and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves, set in ambush behind the city. See, what God says, I want you to go back and battle the army that just embarrassed you on the world stage. Can you imagine the fear involved in this? To lose once, but to walk confidently into a rematch, declaring that you believe victory is going to happen because of who's with you and behind you. Look, I gotta do this, but it reminds me a whole lot of the Georgia-Alabama team this season, okay? In the regular season, we're gonna lose, and we're not gonna show up, and we're not gonna play, and we're not gonna fight, and we're not gonna achieve victory, and we're not gonna get the job done. But man, that next time... <laughs> We're gonna show up ready to handle business and the power of God is gonna be behind us and we are gonna break a curse that has been in this area for way too long and we're gonna bring home a championship. 
Listen, that's almost exactly what Joshua experienced in this story. But here's the important principle behind it. And this is gonna show up again and again and again throughout this series. It's greed collapses under the weight of faith. Greed collapses under the weight of faith. What held us back yesterday can't hold us back anymore if we learn to lean into God, his presence, his power, and the things he has in store for us. You see, what Satan is gonna do is he's gonna whisper in our ear and he's gonna say, hey, remember, you messed up last time. You didn't get this right. You failed and you're probably going to fail again. But what God says is, listen, there's another chance and another chance and another chance. And if you lean into me, I'm faithful and I will lead you through. See, yesterday's faith may not have been as strong enough to get the job done, but today is a new day and greed always collapses under the weight of faith. Can I tell you some of the ways that we can practice this? One of the most important ways that we can practice this, and this is the way God designed it, is, is that when we give to other people as a demonstration of faith that proclaims that I believe God is gonna show up and take care of me, man, he builds up this faith inside of us that allows us to experience more of his power in our lives. You see, the Bible challenges us to give back our first and our best and to trust that he's gonna take care of the rest. He says, as a demonstration of faith towards me, I, I want you to give 10% of everything that you make back to the church so that God can work in and through that. But man, let me tell you something, that's a hard step to take. For a lot of people, that's a very difficult step to take. And so one of the things we wanna do to help you in taking a step towards generosity so that you can experience more of God's power in your life is we're gonna offer something called the 90-day giving challenge. The 90-day giving challenge. And what we're gonna do is simply this. If you'll sign up by going to the hub, it's the QR code in the seat pocket in front of you, and you'll say, I, I wanna sign up for the 90-day giving challenge. I'm gonna give regularly, faithfully throughout this process. Then at the end of 90 days, we're gonna send you weekly encouragement. We're also gonna offer a promise. At the end of 90 days, if you haven't seen God's blessing in your life in a way that combats greed and develops this idea of generosity that overflows to every single area of your life, then what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you 100% of your money back. Because see, the truth of the matter is, God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. Amen. And when we take a step towards him in faith, he promises to show up and bless it in a powerful way. Listen, I wanna fight greed in my own life. And I wanna experience generosity. And I believe this is one of the ways that we can do it. I wanna end with a story. Um, it's a story from the Beijing Winter Olympics. And uh, it's a story about two girls, okay? This is the Olympics that just happened. I'm gonna read to you this first part. There's a 29-year-old, okay? Her name is Erin Jackson, and she made history um, in this Olympics as the first American to win an individual speed skating medal since 2010. She was the first American woman to do so since 2002, and the first black woman to win gold in an individual sport at the Winter Olympics, period. Okay, this girl, she set records. She did amazing things. She, she's, she's changed history because of what happened at the Olympics, but she probably didn't know. She almost didn't make it to the Olympics. See, she'd been training and she was, she was the top contender in this area of this, this 500 meter speed skate. But at the day of the qualifying, she slipped just a little bit. And I watched the video, it, it looks like a tiny little fumble. Like when I slip and fall, it looks way less graceful than what she did. I mean, it looks so minor, but it cost her fractions of a second and it took her from first place to third place. And only the first and second place contenders were gonna get to go to the Olympics. And so her friend, her friend's name was Brittany. Brittany looked at what happened. She knew how hard she had worked. She knew she deserved it. She knew that she could outperform her. 
But when she won first place, she decided that she was gonna, she was gonna resign herself from her first place victory in the qualifying so that her friend, Aaron Jackson, could go to the Olympics. Now, Brittany ended up qualifying in other races, so they were both able to go to the Olympics and they celebrated this victory together, but it was all possible because of her extreme act of generosity that allowed history to be made in that moment. Let me tell you something. What I'm praying for throughout this series is that our church and our community and our world is full of stories of extreme generosity like that. People who say, listen, God has been so generous to me through Jesus Christ that I want my generosity to grow and spread to the world around me. I don't just want Northridge Christian Church to see and experience the generosity of others. I want the school system in this community to see it through us. I want the businesses, I want the restaurants, I want your workplace to see the gospel through how we behave and embrace generosity in our lives. Because when we go to battle against greed, when we fight that and embrace generosity, God shows up and moves in a powerful way. So here's what I'm asking for. Okay, we're gonna have people up here at the front. They're actually gonna stand off on the sides today. Um, If you want somebody to pray with you and, and talk about something specific, we're available for that. But we're gonna stand off to the side so that these altars can be left open. Because what I'm asking for is that you would come alongside me and pray boldly that throughout this series, throughout this month, God would start a movement in this community because of what happens right here at Northridge Christian Church. I'm gonna ask for you to get on your face, bring your spouse, bring whoever's with you, come to the front and say, God, I am asking you to show up in a big way. Move through the people that are here. Press on our hearts to be more generous, to fight the greed, to do battle with the things that are holding us back so that you can receive the glory and do amazing things in this community. We don't want Northridge's name to become famous because of what happens in this community, but we want our obedience to make his name famous in this community, and that's what we're gonna be praying for. So let me pray, we're gonna sing a song, and I want you to pray, whether it's from your seat, from the front, I want you to pray boldly that God will show up and move in our generosity. Heavenly Father, we are so excited about what you're gonna do. We're so excited that we get to be a part of what you've already done, and God, we're just looking forward to, to where you show up next. God, we pray that if there's any greed in our hearts, if there's anything in us that's preventing you from working and moving in and through us, God, reveal it in this moment, God, so that we can surrender it to you. We can give it back and we can say, God, I choose you. You can have the greed, you can have the stuff, you can have what this world has to offer. I want you and your power and your plans and your promises because that's what's gonna satisfy. God, I pray that in these next few moments as we beg you to show up and to move in a powerful way, God, I pray that you hear our prayers and go ahead and start working in this community. As you send us out to lunch, I pray that acts of generosity begin to flow out into this community. Stories begin to pile on top of stories of the ways that you're at work. God, use us. We offer ourselves to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.